All right, uh, so just want to update you on a couple things uh, that are happening still here at Cicero Christian Church. We are continuing to try to look after people who can't get out of their homes or shouldn't get out of their homes. And so that offer is still on the table. If you need somebody to run some errands for you, do some grocery shopping, um, reach out to the church through the website or the Facebook page uh, or email address, and we'll make sure that you get what you need. Uh, we are also continuing to send out resources uh, through our online apps and Facebook for your families. So I don't know if you saw this last week, we had a fort building challenge. Uh, that was super exciting. The cultures got into that and a lot of you I noticed did as well. There will be another challenge coming out this week as well as uh, we're currently planning a Tuesday night live trivia event. So be on the lookout for that on Facebook. We hope that that will happen Tuesday night. Just watch for more information. But those are the things that are still happening here. We want to continue to be connected. We don't want anyone to get isolated and uh, feel like you're going through something alone. And so uh, hopefully you're connecting with each other, but there will be connections coming out from our church leadership and our office as well, just so that we all can walk through this together and not, not just survive, but thrive. That we have opportunities that we've never had before, and we just wanna make the most of those opportunities. We wanna make it count. We wanna see Jesus's name elevated God glorified, people drawn to Christ during this time, and we get to partner with God in all of that. So just continue to pray for the church leadership, pray for each other, look out for each other, and look for opportunities to make it count, okay? We're in a series. We started a series last week called Meant to Be, Meant to Be. This is uh, the idea is that there is a me that I am meant to be, Some, someone I was created to be. And I'm, I'm at my best, I'm, I'm experiencing the peace and joy and purpose I was created for when I am living as the me that I'm meant to be. Uh, that, that me is someone who's created to be in partnership with God. From the very beginning, God invited human beings into a partnership. He called it a covenant. It's this relationship where there's uh, give from both sides. God told Adam and Eve, if you will take care of this garden that I created, that I will provide for you, and you get to enjoy the benefits of the garden. And uh, that was who they were meant to be, was living in this partnership with God, bringing good things out of the creation that he laid out for them. What happens is we, we find obstacles to that partnership. There are, we, we find things that get in our way of working with God, and we begin to work instead against God. So for Adam and Eve, it was the desire to have control. We talked about that last week that when we when we reach for control we, we want to have more control over our situation then that messes with our contentment we are meant to be content in our partnership with god the role that he's given us the resources that he's given us and when we try to control or we we get frustrated because we don't have as much control as we wish we had that's that's when uh, our partnership with god is broken and adam and eve were not able to enjoy the fruits of the garden anymore because they chose control uh, over contentment so that, that's very real for a lot of us uh, as we've gone through these last, this last week or so, wishing we had more control over our situation. And that, that will destroy our contentment every time. So the, the end result of that, the goal then, is to just trust God. To, as Jesus said, seek first the kingdom, let God provide everything else. So today we're going to talk about the obstacle of um, impatience that gets in our way of our partnership 
with God. Maybe you're feeling some impatience right now. Maybe you wish you knew exactly not, not just how things are going to turn out, but when. Somebody give me a timeline. Somebody tell me the day when I can move on from this, when we can start to put this behind us. And that impatience can be an obstacle in us partnering with God to do what he created us to do, to be the me that I am meant to be. I'm created for patience. I'm meant to be patient. And so when I try to get ahead of God, when I get frustrated with God's timing or my lack of knowledge and understanding about everything that's happening, then I get in my own way. One of the things that my father said to me probably most often, he may have said this more than he said my actual name, was, son, if you do it right the first time, you don't have to do it a second time. If you do it right the first time, you don't have to do it the second time. The reason why my father said that to me a lot is because I was constantly rushing through jobs, just trying to get through tasks as quickly as possible. I was far more concerned about doing it fast than I was about doing it right. And so what would happen is I ended up losing more time because dad would call me back and say, hey, listen, I, I asked you to stack this wood, not pile the wood. What you did was a pile. What I want was a stack. So now you have to take your pile and make it a stack. And uh, I, it cost me far more time, uh, time than I would have spent initially doing it right the first time, but I was too impatient. I just wanted to get it done and move on. And that, that impatience cost me. And it cost me in my relationship uh, with people around me at different times in my life. Uh, it's cost me. And so I don't know about you. Is that something that is, is a challenge for you at times? to be patient and to wait for things to happen at the right time and to do things the right way, even if the right way is slower than the way that you wanted to go in the first place. It happened to a man named Abraham. And in scripture, Abraham was invited into a covenant relationship with God, just like Adam and Eve we talked about last week. God told Abraham, I am going to bless you and make you into a great nation. All, all the nations on the earth are gonna be blessed through you. And your job is to be faithful to me. If you're faithful, I will bless you and make you into a great nation. That's the partnership that God offered to Abraham. So we're going to take a look this morning at how God um, and Abraham, how their relationship was broken by Abraham's impatience with God's timing in making this promise and this partnership um, come to fulfillment. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to grab that. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 15, 16, 17, just a few excerpts here and there throughout these different chapters, and see how impatience shows up in the life of Abraham. Uh, in these first couple of chapters, he's called Abram. God changes his name later to Abraham. And his wife, who you may know of as Sarah, in these chapters, her name is Sarai. Uh, so if you hear me say those things, I'm not mispronouncing them on purpose or anything. To mess with you. That's actually how it's, how it's written. So here we go. Genesis chapter 15, uh, we're going to read one, 1 through 4. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what would you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. So God had promised him when Abraham was 75 years old that he would have a son. And now God comes back to renew that promise and say, Hey, don't forget, 
I, I'm your God. I'm, I'm the one that you're being faithful to, and I am going to bless you. And Abraham says, hang on, I have a question. How are you going to make me into a great nation when I don't have any kids yet? God, all I've got is this servant named Eliezer, and he's going to inherit everything I have. I don't think that's what you had in mind. And God said, nope, trust me, you're going to have a son. It's going to happen. So uh, in the next chapter, uh, we'll pick up a few years later. Chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband as a wife. So it's been 10 years. Abram is now 85 years old and his wife is 75 years old. And she has decided this is not going to happen. I'm 75. There's no way I'm going to have a child. So maybe God hasn't really thought this through. Maybe we need to help God. If the plan is for us to have a big family, Maybe God needs a little help with a part of this plan. So here's my suggestion. Abram, why don't you um, have a child by my servant, Hagar? Then you'll have a child, and that'll be the descendant uh, that fulfills the promise of God. And Abram says, you want me to go sleep with another woman? Okay, sign me up. I'm, I'm in. So he goes ahead and he does what his wife suggests. At the end of chapter 16, here we see in verse 15 and 16. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. So, so far the plan seems like it's working. Uh, Hagar does have a son. Abram calls him Ishmael. And in Abram's mind, this is now the child that God had promised he would send. So he feels like, you know, we've, we've, done, we've done our part. We've actually done more than our part. We've done part of God's part because he wasn't getting around to it. So we just went ahead and did it. I, w I wonder if they just thought, you know, if we wait any longer, it's going to be too late. It's not going the way that we thought it would. It's not really going the way that we want it to. So maybe we need to make our own plan. If you're anything like me, you felt that way in the past as well. That this is just not happening. I, I've waited for things to happen the right way and they're not happening. So maybe I need to do things a different way. Maybe it's okay to break the rules a little bit to get to where I'm supposed to be a little faster. As long as I get where I'm supposed to be, isn't it okay if I can find a shortcut? And that's what Abram and Sarai were looking for was a shortcut. And so they, they take the shortcut, and we're going to see how it turns out. The next chapter, Genesis 17, uh, 15 through 19. And God said to Abram, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, uh, because it's harder to pronounce. No, he didn't say that. <clears throat> I just think that. Okay, but Sarah shall be her name. I like that name a lot. Uh, I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abram fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, 
Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And God said to Abram, or Abram said to God, I'm sorry, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Abram says, can't, why can't Ishmael be the guy? I mean, we had a son. Why can't that be enough? You can't tell me that Sarah is still going to have a child. She's 90, God. Abram thought this was a joke. He's laughing at God, which is ill-advised in case you, it ever crosses your mind. Um, verse 19, God said, no, no, no. You, you tried your plan. You went around my plan. You're trying to do things your own way. You found a shortcut. No, no. But Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. So Abram takes the shortcut, thinks it's okay, and God says, no, that was never the plan. The plan was for Sarah to have a son, and it's still going to happen, and you went around me. And here's the problem. When Abraham took the shortcut, he ended up causing problems for uh, people around him that he, he didn't anticipate. He didn't think it through. And the, the problems that came from this uh, Ishmael and Isaac rivalry and the Hagar and Sarah rivalry that came after this, it, it destroyed lives. But he didn't think about that. See, I, I think what what we want is we want a telescope. We want a telescope uh, for our path. God, uh, what I would like to be able to do is just look down the road and see what's going to happen and how. I, I want to know when and, and how everything is going to take place. So, so God, I want a telescope, and I, I want to look down the future, and I want to make my decisions based on the, what I know is going to happen in the future. And that's what Abram tried to do. But God didn't give Abram a telescope. He gave him, actually, a pair of glasses. I'm going to put these glasses on, and then I'm not going to walk anywhere, because if I do, I'll fall. I do need glasses, but I'm currently wearing contacts. So, oh, this is going to give me a headache real fast. So what God gave Abram was glasses. So the covenant that God gives Abraham, he says, I will bless you. I will make you into a great nation. And someday, all the nations on earth are going to be blessed through you. Those are the lenses that you're supposed to use to make decisions on a daily basis. What you do today is based on my promise that I'm going to bless you. I am going to do this. I am going to provide a child. I am going to make that child into a great nation, and I'm going to bless all nations of the earth through your descendants. Based on that promise, you make decisions today. You don't need to know the when and the how of everything, all you have to do is trust me that my promises will be fulfilled. So Abram's got the glasses for making the daily decisions, but he doesn't want the glasses. He wants a telescope. So he makes decisions by trying to look through a telescope and predict and see the future. And here's the problem with looking through a telescope. When you're looking through a telescope, you cannot see what's right in front of you. That's not what telescopes are for. They're made for seeing things very far away. And when he can't see what's right in front of him, he makes a decision that causes damage and destruction. First of all, his decision to have a child through Hagar leads to a rivalry between Sarah and Hagar that eventually uh, causes Hagar and Ishmael to be banished from Abram's household. And so they no longer get to be a part of this household and this family because of the rivalry between Sarah and Hagar. 
There also uh, is a rivalry between Ishmael and Isaac, and God makes a promise or a prediction that there will always be enmity between Ishmael and Isaac, that the descendants of these two men will fight each other forever. And this is exactly what we see happening in the world today. The descendants of Isaac are the Jews, and the descendants of Ishmael are the Arabic peoples. And what happens between the Jews and the Arabic people? War, constant conflict, no peace. Those, that is a direct result of Abram's decision to try to look through the telescope when he should have been looking through the glasses that God had provided him. That's what the consequences of that was this centuries-long war between these two nations, these two people groups. Isn't that crazy? You know, if we knew the consequences of, of decisions that we're going to make ahead of time, we, it would change the way that we do things. If we knew what was at stake in our choice of whether to be faithful to God in this moment or not, we would always choose to be faithful to God. But we don't know what's at stake. We don't actually have a telescope. We've got God's promises as our eyeglasses that give us this picture of how we're supposed to see the world, these lenses through which we're supposed to look at the world. Now, Jesus demonstrated this uh, in just a very helpful way. So we're going to look at uh, how Jesus demonstrated this really quick, then we're going to close with just a couple of encouragement and challenges, encourage me, encouragement <laughs> and challenges for you. Uh, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4, is being tempted by Satan. Satan comes after him with three temptations that sort of are his best shot at trying to disrupt the plan of God through Jesus. So here's what happens in, in Matthew 4, 8 to 10. Um, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So Satan shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and says, you can have this now. You can have this now. Jesus was meant for glory. Jesus was meant to rule the nations. That's the prophecy about the Messiah. That's exactly who he was meant to be. But Satan says, you can have it now. Now was the wrong time. Now was the wrong time for Jesus to become the ruler of the nations and for Jesus to have the glory of all the nations of the earth. Now was the wrong time. But it was the right destination. This is why I think we get tripped up. We are willing to do the wrong thing at the wrong time if it gets us to the right destination. And Jesus was not willing to do that. I think there's something that we should learn from that. Because it happens to him again. Not only does Satan, his enemy, offer him a shortcut to the place that he was supposed to land anyway, but actually people who believed in Jesus did the same thing. In John chapter 6, after Jesus feeds 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish, the people decide, wouldn't it be great if this guy was our king? If our king could just make bread happen for us on a daily basis, we would never have to worry about going hungry. We would never have to worry about where our next meal is going to come from. And so, in John 6, 15, these people, uh, Jesus says, it, or scripture says, it says, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So, 
These people are so excited about the idea of having a king that can provide bread for them all the time. So all of their needs will always be met. Isn't this what God wants for us anyway? And they said, let's just make him king. This won't be hard. We can get the whole nation of Israel behind this idea. Let's just make him king. And Jesus could have gotten to a place. How, how much good could Jesus have done as king of Israel? All of these people he's trying to heal, all of these people he's trying to minister to and help, now he's got the resources of the whole nation of Israel at his disposal, and he can use those however he wants. Man, Jesus could have done a lot of good as the king of Israel, but it was the wrong time. It was the wrong moment for this to happen. There, there was not going to be a good shortcut for this, and so Jesus, he actively rejects this by withdrawing to a place by himself. He knew that this temptation of, of taking a shortcut was not, he didn't even want to have that around him. So he got away from these people who were trying to get him to take a shortcut. So people had an agenda for Jesus that would have led to something good, but who knows what the consequences of that would have been. If Jesus had sacrificed his opportunity to become the savior of the world, the redemption, the redemption, the redemption, the redeemer for all mankind, if he gave that up in order to be king for a little while, we would all be in a terrible spot because we need Jesus and his sacrifice. Uh, and so it's for our benefit that Jesus turned down these people and did not take over as king of Israel at the time. Uh, he knew that the timing was wrong. He knew that the people were more interested in what he could do for them in the moment than what he could do for the whole world eventually. And this is where I think we get tripped up. We, we, we think that if we can get to something good faster, that faster is better. But we actually know from experience that that's not really true. How many, how many weight loss or fitness plans have you tried that said, you, you can get in shape faster if you do it this way? And, and often that is, involves some unhealthy practices like, like not eating or over-exercising. When you do things that way, can you get results faster? Maybe, but the damage that it does to your body is a long-term negative consequence of, this, of taking a shortcut to this thing that you wanted. The best way to fitness is a slower way of figuring out the right diet and exercise routine for you that's going to get you to health. We take shortcuts because we get tricked for a moment into thinking faster is better, into thinking if I can, if I can see the end of the road, if I can take the shortcuts, even though I, I'm, I'm not paying attention to what's right in front of me, it, it'll still be better. So what we need is a reason to wait. We need a reason to wait. Here's what Paul says in Romans 8, 24 and 25. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Patience. Patience is not a word that uh, we like to throw around. In fact, the only time that we really want patience is in the moments when we're really behind. We're really impatient when something is just not going our way. And, and you just want things to speed up and you, you can't make things go faster. And so you pray for patience. God, would you somehow magically, miraculously turn me into a patient person right now. It's a very impatient prayer, isn't it? <laughs> That's actually uh, counterproductive. Um, we're, 
We're, we want God to turn us into a patient person in our moments of impatience. And that's not actually how it works. Even the, even the, fa- even the process of becoming a patient person is slower than we want it to be. Isn't that frustrating? So let's talk for uh, just a minute about some things that maybe you are waiting for, some areas in your life where maybe you need uh, to develop some patience, and then we'll talk about what patience really looks like. So um, maybe you're waiting for healing. Maybe there's uh, some kind of physical uh, healing that you're waiting for or uh, an emotional healing. Maybe, maybe that's what you're waiting for. Maybe you're waiting for guidance. You, you've got some tough decisions to make, and you want... Um, some guidance from God to make those decisions. It's a career change. It's the possibility of relocating. It's a possible relationship change. Should you say yes? Should you take this relationship farther? God, give me guidance. Maybe you're waiting for a change in your circumstances. You, you would like to have more money, a better job, a, a promotion. You would like to be less busy. You can't wait for that moment when your calendar is suddenly clear. Surprise. Here it is. Maybe you're waiting to find a spouse, the right person, Mr. Right, Mrs. Right. Maybe you're waiting to have a child. Maybe you're waiting for more opportunity. Maybe you're waiting for some kind of reward. You, you think you've earned something, you deserve something, and you're, you're waiting for your, your, to be recognized for what you've done, for the fame or popularity, the respect or admiration to come your way. So what do we do while we're waiting? What do we do while we're waiting? Waiting feels very passive, right? Like it's just sitting around twiddling your thumbs. And most of us are terrible at doing nothing. But what if instead of focusing on what we can be doing while we're waiting, what if we focused on who we are becoming? Who we are becoming. Here's what I think. I think waiting provides us a great opportunity to become who we were meant to be. Waiting provides us a great opportunity to become who we're meant to be. While we're waiting on God, while we're waiting on circumstances, while we're waiting on people, maybe we take that opportunity to ask the question, what kind of person am I becoming? What kind of person am I becoming? I wonder why Abraham had to wait 25 years for Isaac to be born. Maybe it was because the process of Abraham becoming the kind of person who is going to be a faithful husband to his wife, father to his son, servant of God. Maybe that was a 25-year process. Maybe that's why it took 25 years for that promise to be fulfilled. So what kind of person was Abraham becoming during those 25 years? He was becoming the kind of person who, when God goes to him, when his son Isaac is 12 years old and says, I want you to give up your son for me. Abraham had become the kind of person who could say yes to that. Maybe if Isaac is born after only 10 years or 15 years of waiting, maybe Abram's not the kind of person who would be willing to say yes to that command from God. Maybe it took 25 years for him to get there. So this is an important question for us. What kind of person are you becoming while you're waiting? What, what kind of family? Ask your family this question maybe this afternoon. What kind of family are we becoming while we're waiting? Because we're all waiting, right? We're waiting for something. We don't even, we don't even know what it is. Most of us wish we had a telescope right now for time. We could see into the future and we knew exactly what was going to happen and when so we could prepare. 
but we don't have a telescope. We have a, we have a pair of glasses where God has said things like, here's how I want you to see the world. I am, I am going to be with you. you. You don't need to be afraid. But instead, why don't you look at how you can serve and bless and love on the people around you. That's the lens that we're supposed to be looking through the world right now. The future, we have no idea. We, we can't see it. We don't actually have a telescope. And if we try to make decisions based on what we think is going to happen in the future, sometimes we'll miss what is right in front of us. What kind of person are you becoming while you're waiting? Are you becoming a closer family, a family that keeps Jesus at the center more consistently? Are you becoming a more Jesus-centered husband, a more Jesus-centered wife? Are you becoming a more Jesus-centered mother, a more Jesus-centered father? What kind of person are you becoming? Because patience is actually the process by which we become someone different. I'll just tell you, I, I prayed for a long time for God to make me a man at peace. I have been someone who's not been at peace very often. I'm always looking for the next challenge, the next opportunity. And, and my, my physical address history would point to that. I, I've had multiple physical addresses throughout my life, over 20 different houses that I've lived in because I've always been like, well, what's next and where are we going next? And I've prayed, God, make me a man of peace. Make me a man of peace where I can, I can be at peace where I am. And I'm not always just looking for something else. Well, I can tell you that I am more at peace with where I am and who I am right now than I've ever been in my entire life. Right now, I'm more at peace. That my, my process of patiently waiting for God to make me a man of peace, being patient in that process, has actually helped me become the person that I'm meant to be, a, a person who's at peace with where I am. And there have been times when I wish that God had sped up that process, but now I understand that, that all along, this patience, this investment of patience was turning me into a person of peace. The, the two kind of work together. And the same will be true for you. Whatever it is that you want God to do, whatever kind of person you want God to make you into, it, it cannot happen overnight. It's a slow process. That transformation is slow. And when we invest patience, we're actually letting God change us into the people that we were meant to be. So whatever it is that you want God to make you into, a more loving person, a more generous person, a more Jesus-centered person, it starts with being a patient person. As, as you allow God to do the slow work of transforming your heart to be like Jesus. So my encouragement for you all, you're, you're meant to be patient. And this is a time when that, that feels like a challenge for many of us, but this is who we're meant to be. And so during this time, while you're waiting, ask some questions about what kind of person you're becoming. Um, I'm going to close with a prayer, and then I'm just going to sign off and, and say we'll see you guys next week. But um, as I pray, I just want to encourage you to, to lift up to God. What are the things that you, you are a little impatient about right now? And just lay those out to God and ask him to help you become a patient person as you wait. Let's do that together. God, thank you so much for the example of Abraham and Jesus um, who, who show us that waiting for you and not taking shortcuts is really what we're meant for. 
And my prayer is, God, that you would put on our hearts um, a desire to wait, to not take shortcuts that are dishonoring to you or to the people around us, but instead that we would wait and do things the right way and wait for the right time uh, for the things that we're looking forward to. And in the meantime, would you shape us into the people that we were created to be so that more and more people will know Christ through our actions? We look forward to what you're going to do, Father, um, through us in this time. And we give you all the glory for every good thing. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless. We'll see you all next week.